Today's program has been brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit internationalculinarycenter.com. I'm Mike Calameco from Food Talk. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, coming to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you were super excited for the interview with Lev Grossman that was going to happen in the second half of today's show, I apologize on his behalf. He is covering the Apple story. I don't know if any of our listeners are Apple users, but today they are releasing the new uh, or the information about the new Apple iPhone 6 and the iPay and all of that stuff. And as Lev also worked for Time Magazine, he was hijacked from Sharp and Hot, which I would consider a more prestigious institution from Time Magazine. But, you know, he's got to pay the bills. So he will be on on a future date, and I will be sure to let you know when that day comes. But in the meantime, in the second half of the show, I'm going to play for you a story that I put together with the Guild of Master Sommeliers, They were gracious enough to host me as a member of the media for the two-day level one sommelier exam at the uh, International Culinary Center in New York City. And I will play for you the story of my experience there, which is really, really fun. But first, I would like to introduce you to my first guest that I have for today. Justin Levy is the executive director of the Conscience Alliance, and they work with youth empowerment and collect food for the hungry and distribute it nationwide at rock concerts. Welcome, Justin. Hey, how are you? Thank you so much. So tell me about, tell me about the Conscience Alliance more uh, articulately than I just did for you. Yeah, no worries. We are a Boulder, Colorado-based nonprofit organization that is committed to distributing to communities in crisis while supporting youth, um, particularly on Native American reservations all around the country. And um, we started in 2002 with the band The String Cheese Incident, hosted our first food drive there and got 4,000 pounds of food. Um, The next food drive, we got 8,000 pounds of food. And the founder um, who turned Conscious Alliance from his senior thesis when he was a student at the University of Colorado in Boulder um, turned it into a national nonprofit. And now we work with touring musicians and well-known graphic artists all around the country, as well as natural food companies, to distribute food not only to Native American reservations, but food banks nationwide. And what kind of a problem is it specifically on Native American community, in Native American communities, to not have enough food? What are you up against? Sure. Um, We got our start on Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. And that is considered one of the most economically isolated communities in the country um, for the last 12 years. And what we're up against there is a community of 30,000 with half of the population below the age of 18. And um, Pine Ridge Reservation is about the same size as Connecticut, or um, I apologize, Rhode Island. And um, there's only one grocery store. Wow. That is incredible. So how... How are people getting food before you were able to help intervene? 
Um, you know, it's a big population, so I, I don't want to, uh, you know, misconstrue that we're able to provide the entire population with food support. We do have a full-time emergency food bank that provides food for um, hundreds of families each month, and there's an average of about 17 people per household um, on the reservation. So there is other programs going on up there, but I think that Conscious Alliance has been able to make a real difference because we consistently show up and support. Sure. And so you have utilized the rock concert and touring musicians and young graphic artists sort of platform to harness the energy of young people. Were you expecting the kind of support that you get from concert goers? I'm still amazed every day, you know, that people are willing to bring um, 10, 20, 30 cans of food to a rock concert with them to donate to the food drive. Um, This weekend we worked with a band, STS9, for two sold-out nights at Red Rocks and were able to provide um, 1,500 meals after that. And so the way it works is through our program, Art That Feeds, people bring um, 20 non-perishable food items or a suggested monetary donation, and they get a poster um, that displays the band and venue and um, in exchange for their donation. So really fans are desiring the art. We're working with professional artists who are donating their imagery um, to allow us to use that as a promotional tool. And because of that, we've been able to distribute almost 2 million meals um, from young people donating mostly at concerts. That's incredible. Do you find that the majority of people are bringing the cans of food or the, you know, the amount of food suggested, or is it more monetary donations that you get? It depends on the event and where it's located in the country, as well as if people are flying in versus if it's a local event for people. But we're finding about a 50-50 split um, for the most part. And then we're working with natural food companies such as you know Whole Foods, Justin's Peanut Butter, Plum Organics, and they're donating thousands and thousands of meals each year, and we're just covering the shipping cost of it. That's really, really incredible. So how are you looking to grow Conscious Alliance? What are some of the next steps that you're looking to take to spread your, your incredible message? Sure. Well, like I said, we started, you know, by engaging young people at concerts. And over um, the last few years, we've really worked with natural food companies to um, bring healthier and healthier food to the reservations and to local food banks. So I think that's where we're at is just the more um, – connections with corporate companies that we can and, you know, strategic partnerships that we can create, the more effective we can be. And now that we have kind of the hunger relief piece, I'm not going to say um, we're going to slow down there, but now that we have it under control of how it all works, um, we've been able to move our organization into a youth empowerment um, strategic planning as well, where we're teaming up with musicians and artists again, but to offer um, life-changing programs for youth on the reservation where they're learning how to be um, creative, learning about their culture and their community, and it's programs that are allowing them to thrive through art and music as well. What drew You uh, said earlier that there was a founder of the program. You are not the founder of the program, correct? Correct. So ha- what drew you to this? two years after the organization got um, started. And what was your connection either to the music or to the food or to the, like, how did you come to be involved? Sure. Um, I basically um, grew up as, you know, an at-risk youth with dyslexia and cerebral palsy and um, struggled through school. Um, and I met my guidance counselor in middle school who 
really believed in me and what I was up to and my potential and uh, saw something different that I can't really say I saw in myself. And uh, when I went to high school, he actually wound up transferring to the high school as well and asked me if I wanted to start a program uh, with him for at-risk youth that brought students from the Chicagoland area to Crow Creek Reservation in South Dakota, which is about four hours from Pine Ridge. So uh, long story short, we developed that program together, and upon graduating, I went to a concert in Colorado with the String Cheese Incident and met the founder of Conscious Alliance, Justin Baker. And um, the rest is kind of history. Got involved and... and, um, here we are today. It's such an incredible story. And I have such admiration for people who passionately pursue putting the good of other people ahead of their own um, sort of monetary or whatever it is ambition, because I don't have that. Like I, I'm pretty open about like, I try to get myself together and get myself done as best as I can. And there are people in the world like you who are actively trying to make the world a better place. And I'm just so like, touched by your story and how you really are truly committed to making the lives of people better. I I really appreciate that. I think the best part about my job today is the fact that um, I get to lead a really incredibly inspiring group of individuals, our staff, our board of directors, and all the musicians and artists that are willing to work with us. It's it's by no means a a one-person show here. It's you know, 7,000 hours of volunteer time and professional artists and musicians really getting behind the cause. And I'm just grateful that I have the opportunity to work with some of the most talented young people, I think, in the world um, as my staff. That's awesome. So what are some, do you have some upcoming concerts that you want to plug that people maybe in the national listening audience might be nearby to that they can bring some food to? Yeah, definitely. We're going to be at um, Phases of the Moon Festival next weekend in Illinois. And um, we're going to be working with Papadocio and Lotus at Red Rocks on September 19th in Colorado, as well as um, Big Gigantic and Rowdy Town in um, Colorado on the 26th and 27th. And then um, we'll be in Ozark, Arkansas on October 16th through 18th, and we'll be working with Widespread Panic October 31st through November 2nd in Colorado as well. Awesome. And tell me about your connection to Barn Razor. Sure. Um, We got linked up with Barn Razor a few months ago through our connections with Plum Organics, um, an organic baby food company. I'm a big fan. People, listeners of the show know my toddler eats a lot of pre-made baby food. I'm very open about that as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So Plum has been um, an incredible sponsor of ours and has committed a minimum of 30,000 meals to us this year um, to help us fight hunger and provide nutrition. And they connected us with Barn Razor um, a few months ago, and together we created the $1 one meal challenge. And so for every dollar we raise in the month of September, we're going to provide one healthy meal to an individual in need um, on a nationwide basis. That is excellent. So people can go to your website, which is what? Conscious Alliance. Dot org. All right. And there's a link there to the Barn Racer Project. And I assume all the concerts are listed there and the upcoming graphic artists that you could get a poster if you are lucky enough to be at one of the shows, correct? Exactly. Um, we have a full gallery of all our art. And um, like I said, every dollar we raise this month is going to um, provide a healthy meal through our natural food sponsors and, and through the Barn Racer platform. I'm so happy to have given you some time so that the world can hear about your project Head to their website, consciousalliance.org, and 
keep doing what you're doing, Justin. You really have made me feel like there is hope for the for the future of this country when old people like me hear about stories of young people that just really warm my heart. And I truly appreciate everything that your organization does. I'm very grateful. Thank you for the time. After the break, you will hear my story about being a sommelier for a day. I'm not sure if I'm even allowed to say that. I think it's just that I got to go to the sommelier exam. I may get a tweet back that's like, you don't actually get to say you're a sommelier just yet. And you'll learn all about that after the break. You want to know a fun way to engage people at a dinner party? Perhaps you've been seated with people you've never met, but you want them to think you're funny? Describe a glass of wine like a sommelier. Swirl it around, stick your nose in, take a big audible whiff, and then... Ooh, I get apricots, definitely. Maybe some overripe cantaloupe? Ooh, there's some petrol in there. Maybe some barnyard? In a good way. I guarantee you will strike up conversation. I did that just a few months ago with my now friend, John Kessler, food and wine writer at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We didn't know each other or anyone else at our table of eight, but the two of us held court describing the meal's compliment. At some point, he said to me, do you know about the court of master sommeliers? I had, in fact, heard about the highly specialized group of people who, by taste and scent alone, identify a glass of wine by its producer and vintage. I learned a lot more about this secret group of super tasters when I came upon a film called Som on Netflix. S-O-M-M, the industry shorthand for the person pouring wine in a restaurant. Taking John's advice, and never scared of a challenge, I signed up for the introductory course in New York City. If I passed, I'd get a pin to wear, an announcement that I too belong in the secret society of wine tasters. Leading up to my two-day immersion in the world of deductive tasting, I thought, having spent 20 years around wine, that I had a pretty good grasp of things. Heck, I've drank a lot of it. I've worked in several wine stores as a floor salesperson, and I've sold my fair share of rosé to men and dry Riesling to skeptics who tell me that they hate sweet wine. I wasn't quite sure what to expect when I arrived at day one, level one. This is the first part of four that doesn't qualify you for anything, really, except to take level two. Another tall woman got off the elevator, and as us tall girls are wont to do, we gravitated towards each other. Uh, Beth Katnoff, I'm the VP of uh, Congressional Communications. Beth works for a company specializing in PR for wine. That's a real job that she gets to do every day. We file into the classroom that has been set up like the many tastings I have attended and poured for in the past. Two reds, two whites, and an inch-thick spiral-bound book of everything you need to know to pass level one. There's a lot to know about wine. If you decide you like wine enough to pursue actual study of wine, you will never be bored. Let's say you want to focus on Italy. Italy has hundreds of appellations. Sometimes the grape is used on the bottle as in, say, Dolcetto, but more often wines are named for the place that they come from. For instance, Chianti is the Sangiovese grape from a place in Tuscany called Chianti. Knowing that is more than what 90% of average wine drinkers know. So where does this blind tasting come in? How can anyone possibly tell what wine, what producer, the place of origin, which slope on a valley, which vintage? How is this even possible? Uh, my name is Sean Collier. I'm a wine team leader with Whole Foods Market uh, in Paramus, New Jersey. I know it sounds weird to an outsider, but there really is a lot in there, both visually and 
you know, sensory that tells you. You just got to stop and focus on that. So. Becoming a sommelier is one part salesperson and one part theory. The theory part is the wealth of knowledge one acquires while purposefully drinking wine. All of those scent memories work to help you deduce what's in your glass. In your mind, imagine a wall with all the wines in the world lined up on the shelves, as in a wine shop. And for the sake of illustration, half of them are red and half of them are white. The glass in your hand is white. If you want to determine what wine is in your glass, it could be any of the wines you are imagining. But we know it's not red, so imagine all the red wines disappearing. The wine in your glass is still, as in not sparkling, so any bubbly bottles on your wall also disappear. We haven't even sniffed the glass yet, and you've narrowed down your wines by about 65%. Okay, now let's take a sniff. Green apple and a distinct green herbal smell. Maybe bell pepper or freshly cut grass. These are called pyrazines, and only certain grape varieties have them, namely Sauvignon Blanc. Let's let all the wine that's not Sauvignon Blanc fall away from your wall. Several regions grow Sauvignon Blanc, most notably France, South Africa, California, and New Zealand. As a wine drinker, you know that French Sauvignon Blanc is not known for its high alcohol content. So let's take a sip. Feel that burn in your chest? That's alcohol. So let's lose all the wines that are still on your wall that are from France. So we are left with New World Sauvignon Blanc. And here's where the sales ability comes in. If you have a little bit of theory under your hat, you can eliminate enough of your daunting every wine in the world down to three regions. From here, in my experience, the rest is salesmanship. If you've been accurate to this point and everything you've identified is objectively agreeable, pyrazines, no oak, medium plus alcohol, now own it. Say it with conviction. I think this is a young Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. There, you've deduced what you think the wine is from all the wines in the world. So why doesn't everyone who enjoys drinking wine become a master sommelier? Well, I've been overly reductive in my description. It's a lot of work. And the higher up you go in the course of study, the smaller your group of peers becomes. And most people don't love wine study that much. They love wine, but not enough to remember which vintages are preferred from champagne from the aughts. Here's Brian Cronin, master sommelier who led the class. I have a music background, playing guitar since I was young, and piano. I tend to use, excuse me, um, musical analogies. The same way you describe a symphony, and you can have all these pieces, and it might be something slower. Maybe something you know when you know some of some of Mozart's pieces that are softer. Maybe start off with a piano, then work into having a violin gets added in. And, it builds up to something. So that could be a wine that's got simple, elegant, then starts opening up. Then there's something that's, that's got more like a Metallica kind of riff, and it starts off with heavy drums, and then two guitars kick in at once, and then the heavy bass. You know, you're looking at maybe something, you know, a new world style of wine. You can describe it in so many different ways. I tend to use music. Between days one and two, I went to a Dave Chappelle concert at Radio City Music Hall. I had a mere four hours of sleep, which can be the only explanation for why I raised my hand and volunteered to deductively taste the wine all by myself with a microphone. Up until this point, deductive tasting had been done as a whole group, each person providing a slice of information and the final person coming up with a conclusion while being coached by an instructor. Okay, um, this one is clear. It's bright. For fruit, I'm getting um, black cherry, some big red apple, raisiny. There's some herbal qualities, like rosemary, stem, thyme stem, maybe a little leather. 
My initial conclusion is that this is an old world wine due to the acidity and lack of oak treatment. My final conclusion is that it's a Nebbiolo, Italy, Barolo, Barbaresco, vintage 2008. Oh, really good job, yeah, huh? very good job. And this is, in fact, uh, Chateau de At this level, the introductory level, the deductive tasting is done merely for the purpose of exposure to the vocabulary and practice utilizing it. However, after lunch, after a whirlwind tour of our inch-thick study guide, we were given a multiple-choice test of 60 questions. Margot, is that in Bordeaux or Burgundy? I turned in my test, having stopped counting the number I knew I had right, as it was not a source of comfort. I made my way to the lobby, and like a school cafeteria, we all compared notes. I really and truly had no idea if I passed. We filed back into the room where the tables had been cleared and the champagne had been poured. Brian explained that this class pass rate was about the same as other classes, as in, not everyone passed. Not everyone was going home with a pin. We each held our glass of wine and stood as names were called. I finished my champagne from nerves, and then... I got a pin! What a relief! What a thrill! I'm part of a secret society, and our thing is that we drink wine! Now I decide if I want to pursue level two, where theory and salesmanship coalesce and after passing which I can accurately say that I am a certified sommelier. I asked Brian how many times it took him to pass level four, the master's level. How many times seven. did it take you? It took you seven tr- times? Yes. So there's, there's, there's a small group of us that have hit the seven mark in, our, <laughs> in the club now. There's a great lesson for persistence here, though. Oh, heck yeah. Persistence is, is important, but it also shows um, everybody starts at different stages mm-hmm. in this program in, the, in their life. Persistence, humility, and wine drinking, also known as research. This is something I can be very good at. For Heritage Radio Network, I'm Emily Peterson. Okay, welcome back to Sharp and Hot in Real Time. This is your host, Emily Peterson, broadcasting to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Wasn't that fun? That was truly one of the highlights of my professional career that I got to go and do that was just like, I was looking around like, I feel like I belong with this group. So I'm very excited that I have my pin. I wear it when I am now, um, I'm now allowed to teach wine classes. I allow myself to teach wine classes. I felt like earning that um, mark of achievement was important. And so now I proudly wear my pin and wink at other people when I see them out in the wine world wearing one too. So let's see. Coming up in future episodes, I've been working really hard to get some excellent guests for us. Lev Grossman will be here to talk about his Magician's Trilogy at some point. He lives in Brooklyn, so I might just go to his apartment and bully him into talking to me that way. Next week, we're going to have on um, Tanya Holland. She is a chef. And after that, Fabio Viviani, who is a celebrity chef and winner of Top Chef and a media darling who makes the rounds. He will be talking to me as well. And I'm going to keep uh, looking for musicians. Maybe we'll get the string cheese incident on. What do you think, Jack? I'm getting the thumbs up from that. (laughs) My brother would be very thrilled to hear that. Um, But otherwise, I am over my cold. I am... uh 
teaching my very first classes at the university level this week, which has been a combination of thrilling and terrifying. I am teaching advanced foods in NYU's food studies program to both graduate and undergraduate students, and I am teaching catering and banquet management at Montclair State University. And uh, when I was a middle school teacher, there was a back-to-school story that we would read to the students, and it was perfect for all ages, but it was a story of somebody who's the, it was the night before the first day of school and they were really nervous and they were nervous eating dinner and they were nervous brushing their teeth and they were nervous going to sleep and they got up in the morning and they were like, are the kids going to like me and what's going to happen and I don't know what to wear and then they get into the, their vehicle and they get dropped off at school and they have their lunch bag and they get there and the big reveal is that the story's about the teacher and that's totally how I've been feeling this week. So I have two more first days ahead of me and and then I will be in the groove of being Professor Peterson, which is very exciting. And um, I will keep you up to date on all of the things that are going on in my life. I have sort of let slide that I answer cooking questions from Home Cooks. So if you have a question, feel free to tweet me or ask on Facebook. You can email me at chefemily at sharpandhot.com. Follow me on Twitter at chefemilyp. Go to sharpenhot.com for relatively up-to-date information on the uh, upcoming guests. There's the phone number there for the voicemail line if you want to hear your voice on air and get an answer to your cooking question. Until next week, everybody, keep playing with fire and knives. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.